Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. All right, well, welcome to Radiant. If this is your first time, again, as Nathan said, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, our church is three years old, and so we're getting old. Uh, We're almost as old as a denomination now. And so, uh, just kidding, Uh, three years, that's not that old yet, but uh, we're so glad that you're here. And and really our dream is to help you go on a journey uh, with Jesus, and it's to take you to know God and then find freedom, discover purpose, and then make a difference. So the dream of our church is really to help you fulfill what God's got on your life and your ministry. Uh, And so um, anyway, that's a little bit about what small groups and next steps that Nathan was talking about. And then our dream team, that's what that's all about. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't gone to next steps yet, today's a great day to jump in. Um, uh, We are in this series called Clarity. And so um, here's, here's kind of the big idea of this series. I I really wanted to hit some of the misconceptions uh, that often take place around church uh, and sometimes take uh, in our day-to-day lives throughout the week, some of the pushback, some of the things that people may uh, just have some, some, some even mockery on. And my dream is, is that the things that we do here at Radiant, you possess confidence on. So you have clarity. And if you have clarity, you'll have confidence. So greater clarity creates greater confidence. And so last week, uh, we talked a little bit about healing. And we talked about how Jesus performed healing. And we talked about that uh, the math that I did said 19.2%. I don't know, it depends on how you, of, of what we read about in the gospels is stories of Jesus healing. And so just in terms of the the overall content, there's so much about how he is a healer. And Hebrews 13, eight says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we just wanted to really lock in. Yes, at prayer meeting, we pray for people to be healed. And, and, and then on Sundays, we pray for people to be healed. And we've got small groups across the city where prayer is a piece of it. And people are praying for healing. And I just wanted that to go in really deep. And the whole idea of this, I kind of see in Acts chapter two, where there's some mockery. So it's a moment on Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit is poured out. And instead of there being excitement from some, there's some that mocked. There's some that looked back and said, these guys are drunk, right? And then Peter jumps up and he brings some clarity. And he goes, no, this is not that they're drunk. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. And he brought clarity to that situation. So people tend to mock that which they don't understand. People tend to mock that which they don't know. And so my dream is that we would have some greater clarity so that when it comes to healing, you have great confidence. No, Jesus is a healer. People say, I don't know, mock you a little bit. Ah, you're gonna go on TV, you, you know, you know. Here's what I believe. Here's what the scriptures say. And then and today I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about worship. And so these are kind of hot topics and lots of different ideas, um, even about worship. And there's been a lot, even as we started the church, I'll, I'll never forget even week one, Renata and I uh, moved here and put our son Justice in a, on a soccer team here in Overland Park. And, and we started to invite people to come to Radiant Church because when you start a church, you don't know anybody, you just invite everybody. So like, hi, I'm David. They're like, what do you do? I'm like a pastor. And this guy was like, really, what's your church? I was like, well, it's, it's not really church yet. And he was like, oh, okay. 
You know, like you're one of those online pastors. So um, uh, I was like, no, really, we're going to start a church. And we ended up inviting them to come. And, and they came to church. I'll never forget going to coffee with him afterwards and asking for his feedback. And he said, man, you guys are really enthusiastic when you sing. And I thought, yeah. And he thought, ooh, a little bit, a little bit, kind of a lot. And, uh, and just remember that, that moment as I'm sitting there with this guy and I invited him to church and I thought, Man, that's the first service, but baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, like it's, it's, it, there's gonna be more, but I want you to have kind of a framework, just a little bit of clarity. What, why at Radiant is there this exuberant worship? And the worship wars, uh, they've been around for a long time. I'm a pastor's kid. And worship wars within the church exist. People are always kind of fighting over it and talking about it. I remember in the late 80s when my dad's church shifted from hymnals to transparencies over in the overhead. And you would have thought, I mean, it was like, it was almost a deal breaker for people, right? I kind of liked it because there was all these people in robes and then they got rid of the choir in robes and they brought me on stage to run the overhead projector. And suddenly I'm a, I got a mullet. I got nothing else to do, but I can run that overhead projector. Mm, gave me a place to serve. Uh, I told Dawson, you know, hey, you think you're a big deal because you can make these videos. My 15 year old son makes these videos that I walk out to. But I said, that's nothing. You should have seen me run an overhead projector when I was 15, baby. And so um, anyway, we all have our skills. Um, uh, but I just remember the conflict and the wars and, and, and some of that. And then in the 90s, when we, he brought drums on the stage and whoo, that was a whole nother level of, of conversation, <laughs> of, of a potential tension. Of, and, and, and so sometimes when it comes to these methodologies, when it comes to worship, there can just be a, a, a misconception, a little lack of clarity. And, and I wanna just hit, radiant kind of unashamedly, we wanna be people that, that, that really worship with strength. And, I, and I'm not necessarily gonna hit on a behavior as the dream that we all have the same behavior, but I do wanna fight for authenticity. I do wanna fight that it's a big deal, that, that we gather together and we push. And so I wanna talk a little bit today about worship. Open your Bibles if you've got them to Exodus chapter seven or your iPhones or your iPads or whatever you've got. Let's pray together. Exodus 7, we're gonna talk about worship. Father, we love you today. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to see with greater clarity. Open up our eyes. Help us to get just a glimpse of who you are, that we might be worshipers, that we would unashamedly love to come into the presence of God and declare how great you are. That when we're alone with alone by ourselves, that we would love to be with God and fill up our cars with worship music. And, and, and when we're on walks, sing songs to God. And when we gather together with our families, that we would sit in little circles and disciple our kids and sing together and declare the, the greatness of God. We ask that worship would be a part of our lives. We honor you and we love you. And Radiant Church said, amen. So I was thinking about some of the misconceptions. I think sometimes people would think of worship as kind of like a sing-along. Like I like sing-along. Uh, we, we do sing-along with my kids in our car. Uh, when we get in the car, when they were little, it was cute. Now it's a little harder. Um, our kids are 15, 13, 12, and nine. Um, and so when they were little, you know, we'd sing, take me out with my family, take me out with my friends. We'll sing together and laugh and play. It's gonna be a super fun day. because it's. And then Dawson, you know, he's five years old. And he would say, we had all of them had a solo. Dawson Perkins, the leader. 
now it's Dawson Bergen's leader, you know, and he's got deeper voice than I do. And then it's Olivia Faith, the princess, you know, and so they're like, you know, teenagers thinking about being princesses. Adeline Grace, a movie star, Justice. He, we say growling in the back of the car. He's looking for a new verb now because he's nine. He's like, I do more than growl, but Justice is singing in the back of the car. And then we say, it's mommy passing out Chick-fil-A. Daddy screams hip hooray. That was our life for all of you that are upset at us for if Chick-fil-A is healthy or not. Obviously we don't sing do this on Sundays. Uh, that's one, two, three strikes. Oh, that's the other one, ball game. Anyway, that's how it goes. And, uh, and we would do this sing-along, all right? It's part of, it's part, it's part of family. It's part of what we do. And, and I just want to say worship's, worship's more than a sing-along. It's not a sing-along. Sometimes people come in here and they think it's just, oh, we just kind of sing some songs. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of the, the only purpose is just kind of something to fill space and time. Or another misconception could be concert, right? Like we live in a culture where... You, you pay an amount, you go, you hear the expert sing or the expert do whatever they're doing on stage. Sometimes easy to even treat Sundays. Well, that girl could sing better than I can. I'll just watch her sing these songs. Those musicians, I'll just watch them. But it's not about being spectators. It's not about a sing-along. It's more than that. If you look at the scriptures from really beginning to end, this worship story fills the Bible. And I love in Exodus chapter seven, look at this, Exodus chapter seven. This is that great moment where, where God gives a little vision about delivering his people. Look at this, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go. And here's the, so that, so that, so here's the why. Here's the, that's what we're always trying to do is give the why. Why are we singing? Why are we worshiping? He says, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. So there's a lot of things that he's gonna do with his people once they're set free from bondage. But it, it, the right here, the language is not so that they can see my miracles, although that's gonna happen. So that it can change their generational future. And I want their children to have a, a different destiny. That's gonna happen. And it's, it's gonna be amazing to see God do supernatural miracles and split the Red Sea and fire by night and pillar of cloud by day and all those things. And it's gonna be amazing to change the family, change the future. It's gonna be awesome. But here's what I want you to get first. And that's where I'm aiming today. It's an issue of order, not an issue of only. We all have affection. We all have things that we ascribe value to. The issue is order. And he says, worship. He said, bring, it, bring them out into the wilderness that they may worship. So first I just want you to see that worship is commanded by God. So here is the creator and the creator God commands worship. So culturally speaking, we don't like commands. We don't ever like to be told what to do. But when you believe in a God who is God, when you believe in a God who is supreme, when you believe in a God who is creator, he can run the universe the way he wants to run the universe. And he created you with affection, voluntary ability to decide what you will place with the highest worth in your heart. 
And he wants to be the one that you have at the top of the list. So it's right here, I'm bringing out these people that they might worship. And today I want us just to get, apart from how it affects you, and we're gonna talk about that, apart from how it affects others, and we're gonna talk about that. But before we go there, just first and foremost, that this is what he values himself. That Psalm 18, he says, I I call to the Lord who is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of praise. So before we talk about how worship affects your life or worship affects the community of faith that you're a part of, just the person of God alone, he commands it, he's worth it, he's the supreme being. And so I want you to just imagine what it looks like in your life to respond in obedience to a God who created you to worship. And this idea is it's commanded. So, so we love to only do things that we enjoy. We love to only do things that we, we want. And the truth is, is where we're gonna go today is that God will rearrange our affections as we worship. But even before we get there, I just want you to get apart from your emotion, apart from anything else, he is a God that is a creator. He created in you the capacity to worship and he invites you, commands of you to worship. And I I love the idea that it's a command. Actually in Psalm 150, and when we read the Psalms, that's 150 songs, but in them, there's a lot about praising the Lord. The last one, the very last one, it gives this command over and over again. I just want you to see this command being hit, 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 hit. Look at this, praise the Lord. So this is, the, this, is this Hebrew word, Hebrew word Hallel. This is a command. This is, this, is not, this is not optional. This is command. This is pushing. And this is why when we gather even together on Sunday mornings, we're pushing, like let's, let's proclaim, let's focus, let's get our whole affection on God. And look at the way that it says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with, that's the tambourine. And dancing, which some of us scare some of you. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. So not just the clash, but the resounding, like hit him again. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And in case you didn't get it all, he says it again, praise the Lord again. And it's this command, this push. So you and I, created by our creator with the capacity to worship. God's given you the option. What are you going to voluntarily choose to give value to? What, what will have greatest worth, what, worthship? What, what, will you, what will you worship? What will, what will you esteem? What will you, will you ascribe value to? What's gonna be a big deal to you? And there's this command, worship God. And this is like, Eternity past, heavenly scene. You've got creatures falling down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty was and is and is to come. And this is present worship. And this is eternity future. And we are invited in to be a part of that scene. We're invited in to be a part of worshiping the creator. And sometimes it's easy to get our eyes on 
methods and fights over what we like and have it not be on the worth of the king, the worth of the creator. And I want us today just to, I want to just beat the drum that he is worthy of our worship. It's not about our styles. People are diverse. I remember even we made a CD when I lived in Colorado Springs and uh, about 2004 and on the front of the CD had the name and then on the bottom it said emerging worship, you know? And I, I just later had the thought, I wonder what the seraphim in heaven think about 20 somethings putting on a CD, emerging worship, you know, like, uh, let, let, let me tell you, there's been a worship song that's gone on from eternity past. It's gonna go on forever. This is what's gonna emerge forever. It's kind of cute, guys. Really kind of cute, kind of nice. You're really cute, but this is he, the, the worthy lamb, the, the, the God who is worthy. It's, it's it, the only thing that's emerging is that it's the same song declared how great he is over and over. He is worthy. He's awesome. And so we're invited in to be worshipers. And there's a moment where Jesus responds when Pharisees try to rebuke the disciples for spontaneous praise. Look at this, Luke 19, verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down from Mount of Olives, Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen, right? So you can imagine it. Boisterous moment, disciples decided joyfully, praise God and loud, right? Loud, boisterous, let's go, joyful. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. There it is. Shut those boys down. This loud, spontaneous, joyful praising, too much. And look at Jesus here. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, I don't know exactly what Jesus looked like when he said this, but I'll tell you how it fits in my brain. I imagine Jesus, and he's got right in the centerpiece of the scriptures and in, in history, forever and ever, is worship. And his disciples and he's done a lot of work to help these disciples get their eyes off themselves. And they start to praise. And then there's the Pharisees that kind of get a little feisty. Uh, start. And he says, if they don't worship, the stones will cry out. The rocks will cry out. It's kinda, I just see it kind of like, a, uh, you know, like, a, let me tell you how this works, boys. And I just want to encourage you. Here's Jesus. He's saying, you look at, the voluntary opportunity that human beings made in the image of God have to enter into the worship scene. And if they don't worship the one who is worthy of worship, creation will cry out, stones will cry out because of the most excellent worth of God. And so our temptation is to say, I don't know if I'm gonna worship. My circumstances will dictate if I'll worship. What I feel will dictate if I worship. I want today for us just to lock in with a conviction, no matter what you're going through, that I'm going to be a worshiper, that he is worthy of my worship, that he commanded worship and I'm a worshiper. And here's the good thing. The one who created you enjoys you and loves you. And as you worship, it'll transform your life. So in delight over your life, 
you start to behold God and you'll start to become more like him. You start to fix your eyes on him and transformation starts to take place. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 3, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So as you start to create it, give adoration and praise and declaration and honor to the creator, then you'll be transformed and the affections, the values, what you desire will begin to be him and look more like him and less like the things of the world, less like you, the temptation. And because we are, God made us as worshipers and some people, because they have that desire within them to worship, they'll, instead of worshiping God, replace God's throne with their own throne and begin to worship themselves. So whatever I need, whatever I want, I'm going to put myself as highest worth. Sometimes we'll say, so I want praise from other people. So I need other people's praise instead of being a worshiper of God. Or I'll put something as a substitute instead of God in that place. I'll, I'll worship a person, I'll worship a hobby, I'll worship I'll wealth, I'll worship something else. And all those things create a broken life. But when you've got God on the throne of your heart and he is the receiver of your worship, then all of your uh, priorities, your life starts to get ordered correctly. But disordered loves lead to disordered lives. If you've got a life where your affections are out of whack, where your affections are for things and it, God is not first, he's not supreme, he's not number one, then you'll watch your life not look like God has your, wants your life to look like. And so the dream is, is that you begin to say, all right, I will behold you. And as you behold him, you become like him. As you revere him, you start to resemble him you become Godward. You start to live a Godward life. So worship is not a small thing. Worship is not just a sing along before we get started. Worship is not a concert. No, worship is joining in with what you're made for. And you enter in. You can do it privately, but you can do it in the congregation with the people of faith who we gather and it is a little foretaste of what eternity is gonna look like when there's a great multitude around the throne that no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we get to gather together with all of our diversity and all of our differences. And we get to come and say, you are worthy. You are awesome. You are God. And as you're transformed, your joys start to be more in God and not in self. So when those joys are transformed, then the overflow of joy is praise. C.S. Lewis said this, which I just want to read it to you. The most obvious fact about praise, uh, whether of God or anything strangely escaped me. I thought of praise, C.S. Lewis here, I thought of praise in terms of a compliment or approval of give, uh, or giving of honor. I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows with praise. Right? That's what we do, right? Like when we really like something, we want other people to join in with us. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, because it whoo, spontaneously overflow with what I really think is great. The world is filled with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. That's an awkward analogy. Wish he'd left that one out. Uh, <laughs> readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their game. 
I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. The praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is appointed consummation. The appointed consummation of joy is praise. So when we enter in, even on Sundays, the temptation is to have our eyes on others, to think, oh, I'm just gonna sing some songs or I'm gonna watch Beth and the team sing today. But I want you to think of, he is worthy of my worship. And not only is he worthy, but when I worship, I'm transformed to be what he, the creator, created me to be like. And my affections get rewired and I actually then start to enjoy God. And I actually then start to spontaneously overflow with praise because he is so good, because he's God, he's worthy. And sometimes there's pushback and you go, well, what if I don't feel that? I'm not talking about your feelings, I'm talking about your convictions. And so if this is your conviction, hypocrisy, sometimes people say, I I don't wanna do that because I don't feel that. I don't wanna be a hypocrite. But hypocrisy is not trying to uh, align with your emotions. Uh, It's people, sorry, people sometimes think that they're being hypocritical if they're doing something that isn't in alignment with their emotions. But hypocrisy is actually when you do something that's not in alignment with your convictions. And so if if my conviction is that he's worthy, mm, I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna give him praise. I'm gonna give him honor. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is the way that Job worships in the midst of catastrophe. Job 1.20, after he's lost his servants, his family, everything, it says that Job worshiped. And the book of Job is Job working out that catastrophe and conversation with God. There's, there's this moment where Job gives his conviction. And he says, I'm gonna live according to conviction. Job 19, he says this, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll. Well, Job, they are. Um, That they were inscribed, sorry. That they they were inscribed with an iron tool or lead or engraved in a rock forever. And then he says it. He's in the darkest of moments. I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. So here he's aligning. He goes, and I like it. He even goes, yeah, uh, my, my flesh all messed up, but in my flesh, I will, I will see him. I, I'm gonna behold God. Circumstance challenging, worship conviction strong. So I stand in that. Here's the greatness of that. When you stand in that conviction and you worship through the challenging circumstance, the way that you see your circumstance actually changes. So you come in saying, big problem, big problem, big problem, little God. Big problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here, they're going to sing this song again. We sang this one three weeks ago, didn't we? I didn't like this one. Yeah. But when you get your eyes off of problems onto God, I have decided I'm created by God to worship. I'm going to worship. All of a sudden, you start to sing. He is creator, he is king, he is faithful, he is God, he is Lord, he is the one that I worship. And all of a sudden, you're, oh magnify, the Sandy Patty, oh magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together, Mm-mm. right? Magnify, I start, I magnify the Lord, and when I magnify the Lord, then my problems get put into right perspective. 
and all of a sudden I see God instead of seeing problems. And the way that I see my life is transformed. Big God, small problem. That's why you get around some people and what they verbalize and talk about is God. And when you have a misconception, you say, they do not understand reality unless you think they're a worshiper. Maybe they do understand reality. Maybe they do understand big God. My trials, tribulations, hardship. At the end of the day, I'm gonna worship for a trillion times a trillion years. Holy, holy, holy is God. And I trust you. And though my flesh it be destroyed, yet with my eyes, I will see God. Put this on a rock. I'm gonna write this down. Put this on a scroll. I know that my redeemer lives. In the end, he'll stand on there. Though my flesh it be destroyed, yet with my eyes, I will see God. This is my conviction. And so I wanna invite you today to think about, we as a church, we gather in here and you do have trials. You do have problems. You are going through whatever hardship, but you gather with the saints. Maybe you've been worshiping alone with God in the recliner in the mornings. Maybe you've been worshiping, filling up your car, filling up your earbuds at the gym. And then when you get here, you gather with the saints and you go, I'm gonna fix my eyes on God. Temptation, look at who's doing what, think about the diversity, wish that the speakers were different, wish that we weren't in a cafeteria, wish that lots of things, but instead it's my eyes are on him. And I just dream of a church where the conversation is worthy. He's awesome. And then in those precious minutes, like I just, I know what it is. I'm a sports fan. I know what it is to show up early to the game that I bought tickets to, to the game that really matters. Honestly, I've never really bought tickets to a game that really matters, <laughs> but, but I know what it is. I know it is to want to be there early. I took my boys to a game and I said, they said, let's go. Is we're going to lose. And I said, we're not leaving until it's over because I care because I paid for it. Here's what I want you to get. I want you to get into like, this is not a sing-along. This is not a concert. I get these moments to gather with the saints and just declare God's greatness no matter the chaos in my life. And I got one life to stand before God and worship in the middle of my challenges. And I'm going to sing. I love that song when Katie sings that. Raise a hallelujah. Because that to me is like, stones aren't going to crowd in my place. Right? Like, no, I'm going to sing. No, I'm going to declare the grandeur and the excellencies of who my God is. And here's the third one, and that's this. What I love, and this is personal testimony more than anything, what I'm watching in our midst is when you're going through a challenge and you're going through the darkest season and you choose to worship and you say, my circumstance is not gonna hinder me from declaring he's good. Yeah, but why do you have this sickness? He's good. Yeah, why the car wreck? He's good. Yeah, why the job loss? Hmm, I'm gonna worship. I am, a, I, I am created by God to worship and I cannot verbalize to you all the reasons why my circumstance did not turn out exactly like I had hoped and wanted, but I do know that my redeemer lives. I do know that he is good and I choose to worship. And if you'll do that in the middle of the congregation, in the middle of the, the saints in 2019 that are trying in Kansas City to worship God, you'll be surprised how even your worship will encourage others. Let me just show you this. I just love this story. Acts 16, 25, the story where Paul and Silas are singing worship songs in the prison cell. 
So they're in prison. You're like, my life's hard. Yeah, these guys are in prison for their faith. Says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. I just love that. That's the phrase. They're listening. People in the prison cell are listening. And let me tell you, there are other people, you're in your prison cell and there are people in the third row behind you and you're standing in faith and you're believing and you're looking to God. And when you are gonna worship, no matter the circumstance, there are others that go, if she can worship her way through this, this painful situation, it encourages me through mine. I raise a hallelujah. I'll never forget. I've told you this, but it was a moment that marked me because in Colorado Springs in our church, we had a shooting. We had a 20 something walk onto our campus and began to just shoot December 9th, 2007. And so for me, pastoring students through that was challenging and parents through that and, um, but I'll never forget this lady, this mom, Marie Works, who her two girls had just died in the shooting on our campus and then having the funeral. And I'm sitting on the front row and I look at this mom whose husband is in the hospital and whose children, two of her daughters are gone. And she raises her hand and she worships. And I thought, may I never again say, I can't worship, I'm too mad at God about my circumstance. I've watched as pastor of this church, only three years, but I've watched people that I know are going through the darkest scenarios. I've watched people get a cancer <clears throat> note from the doctor and then stand here on the third row. Worthy is the Lamb. You are good. I've watched a man get the, the same word from the doctor and do the same thing. I'm gonna worship. And let me tell you something. When you're around a community of faith and you choose to worship, no matter what you're going through, the faith, the strength of others grows stronger. And some of you, if, you'll, if you just wanna, if you don't know anybody, you miss out on some of that. And I wanna encourage you, I mean, jump in. If you, if you know people, whether it's a small group or serving or getting connected or going out to dinner with somebody, but just having some relationships, yeah, it's a little extra work. But when you know people, and it might not be as dramatic as cancer, but they're going through a trial when you know them and they're worshiping through their, their challenging situation, it'll, it'll give you strength. It'll encourage you. It's one of my favorite things to see, but I'm gonna look to God. I'm gonna declare that he's great no matter what. And all throughout the Psalms, the gathering of the people of God is talked about. We come together and my goal is not that we would all be in uniform behavior, but that we would all be authentic. And when we read Revelation 7, it's actually, if there's a great multitude that no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation, that means there's gonna be different languages. I mean, the, the, the future of worship is diverse. So let's, it, it's not all gonna look the same. But what I dream of is that it would be authentic. No walls, you lock in, you worship God. And, 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 and it'll look different. I mean, honestly, I mean, my dad and I worship kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. 
right? Like my dad is an amazing worshiper. He's 73, he's my hero. My dad, when he worships, when he gets really excited, he goes like this. He always has his tongue, puts his tongue inside of his cheek and he goes. And I've known since a child, if he does a silent clap, that means, whoo, Holy Ghost is present. Like we're gonna, <laughs> church might go long today, right? Like, right? And then, I mean, I'm at the other end of the spectrum. Like I'm, my, my dream was to grow up to be like my dad and I grew up to be just like my mom. Just, what's up? Everything's a party. And so I, I'll never forget when jumping became okay in church in the 90s. And I took it to another level. I didn't just jump like the pogo stick jump. Like I was like jumping jacks. Like, what's up? Mm, mm. And I led so many prayer meetings at our church that I was, it's kind of my way of looking at these punk people and go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So I, mm, let's go, come on. Mm. And had it kind of had like coach meets worship. I'll never forget about the first, the first month that I was on staff, the senior pastor of the church where I worked, I was 23, you know, and I was just down on the front row. Like, mm, mm. And he came up to me and goes, brother David, I like the enthusiasm. Let's keep the jumping, just take off the jacks. <laughs> and so, I, so now, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of expressive, like, mm, but just so you know, deeply embedded, what's crying out is, I raise a hallelujah, <laughs> right? Here's my point. You can get a little Psalm 47, clap your hands. You, you, you can get raise your, raise your hands. You can get lift your eyes. You, you, all throughout the Psalms, there's different ways of expressing praise. And you might be down here near dad. You might be on the other side of dad. You just, you just got a, you know, a little pantomime going, that's fine. You can be anywhere along the spectrum. My, my goal is not that we would all have uniform behavior, but that we would all have affection and authenticity. And we gather together and we go, I raise a hallelujah. I worship God. And it's, it's a little foretaste of what's to come. Let's stand, let's worship together. I just wanna pray for you. Can you just put your hand on your heart? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every worshiper in this house. Lord Jesus, we ask, I pray that we would fix our eyes on you in the middle of a storm. Whatever circumstance exists, every sickness, every debt, every broken relationship, and that we would stand like Hebrews 2 in the congregation and worship, praise. We'll praise, we'll look to God. Would you just take a moment, would you just say to God, I lift my eyes to you and then name your circumstance. This debt will not keep me from being a worshiper. This tension in my marriage will not keep me from worshiping. You're good. This, this trial with my job will not stop me. I'm gonna worship. I am a worshiper. I was made to worship. If you're here today and you'd like to begin a journey of following Jesus, it's the best decision you can make. The scripture says that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus died so that you could have eternal life, so that you, you would not perish, but that you could be with God forever. And you can walk in relationship with him beginning today. 
It's the good news of the gospel. I'd like to invite you just to pray this prayer if you wanna begin that journey with God. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. I turn from my way and I go your way. Give me a new heart. Give me a new life that I might spend eternity with you. Be my savior and my Lord in Jesus' name.